Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Larry Burbacher. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. Great to see you guys today. Great to have you in church this morning. What a wonderful presence of the Lord here today. I always appreciate so much our times of gathering around the table of the Lord and taking communion and remembering what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. It's one of the things they continued in the early church. We'll read about it this morning in Acts chapter 2. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Our, our, our sermon series is entitled Together. And we're looking at the early church and we're looking at how they did life together and how they functioned together and what happened as a result of that. And you get down to the end of that chapter and it says, and the number grew, the number of disciples grew daily, such as who were being saved. God added to the church daily. And I believe when we really get back to what that early church looked like and we function more in that pattern and more in that way, we'll see God do great things amazing right here at Faith Assembly of God. So let's read it together, Acts 2 and 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, that's koinia, we talked about community last week, and to the breaking of bread. We did that this morning as we broke bread and gave thanks and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles, and all the believers were together. And they had everything in common, selling their possessions and their goods, and they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added their number daily, those who were being saved. Father, we thank you, God, for your presence today. We love you so very much. We can never thank you enough for the price you paid for us, that we might have everlasting life. I thank you, God, that when you saved us, you also joined us together with the wonderful family. And I thank you for this family at Faith Assembly, all these brothers and sisters who love you and love one another. And I pray, God, you will help us grow closer together and you'll do a work in our lives and we will function like the church that you want us to be in this 21st century. And God, we need you so desperately and we ask for your help this morning. In Jesus' holy, mighty name, amen and amen. Turn to someone, tell them they look marvelous today and then you may be seated. Napoleon once pointed to a map of China and he made this statement, there lies a sleeping giant. If it ever wakes up, it will be unstoppable. I want to tell you today, the church is like that sleeping giant. And if it ever wakes up and we do what God has called us to do, it will literally be unstoppable. Now, here's the problem, though. Every Sunday, uh, church pews are filled with members who are doing nothing more with their faith than keeping it. They're all about keeping the faith. And it's good that we keep the faith. 
But what are we doing to share the faith? What are we doing taking it to those who are not in the church today? What are we doing to reach out to our neighbors and our coworkers and those we see every single day of our lives? What are we doing to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ? God expects every Christian to use his gifts or talents in ministry in some way, shape, or form. And if the church ever wakens up and unleashes that massive talent that is all throughout our pews this morning uh, and our resources and our creativity and our energy, if that uh, ever wakens up, I believe the church will grow with explosive growth. He's just waiting on us. He's given us everything we need to do the job. He said, go and reach the world and make disciples of all nations. He is placed within his church, his body, every gift, every talent, every resource we need to get the job done. Uh, It's just time for us to wake up, to wake up. That's what happened in the early church. The last verse in verse 47 is that the Lord added to their number daily. And you look at the model of the early church. They were together. Thus the name of our series, being together. And so they sat under the apostles' teaching together. And they grew together. And they discipled one another in the family of God. They were together in the breaking of bread. And they devoted themselves to prayer. And this is worship. And so they're worshiping God together. And we talked about that and what that looks like. They were together in fellowship. And we talked about true biblical Koinia is more than just Bob, how's it going today? But it's, it's taking off the mask and, and helping each other grow and holding one another accountable and it's authentic community. And so they were together in community. This morning, we see another aspect of this early church. We see how they served God together and they ministered together as an army of God that had been sent out. Look, if you would, again, at our key verses this morning, verses 44 and 45, and all the believers were together, everybody say together, and had everything in common. Now look at what this early church, this radical church, we call it radical. For us, it should be normal Christianity. They, they, were, they, were, they had everything together, they had everything in common, selling their possessions and the goods they gave to anyone as he had a need. This early church was about meeting needs. Not just within their body, but with, I believe, an outreach and all around uh, that area of Jerusalem. They were meeting the needs. Their greatest need in the church is the releasing of its members into ministry. It's about more than just coming and receiving week after week, but we receive so we might give back out. It's about ministry. It's about service. Now, I want to share some statistics with you. I hope these numbers aren't as bad here at Faith, but in some ways we may be close to some of these. It was a Gallup survey that was taken, and here's what the survey came up with. Listen to this. 10% of all the people who attend church are active in any kind of ministry whatsoever. One out of 10, 10%. 50% of all church attenders have no interest in serving whatsoever. In fact, as soon as I start preaching this message, tune me out. (laughs) It was enough to get me up this morning. That's my service. I made it today. In other words, half choose or prefer to remain spectators. They're just totally content to come and, and spectate. The encouraging you, though, is if you say half of them, 
are spectators and 10% are now active in ministry, that means 40% of members have expressed an interest in having a ministry. They say that I would become involved in a ministry or I want to become involved in a ministry, but they've either never been asked or they don't know how. And so no one's ever said, well, you get involved in ministry, we need you, or, or possibly they have no idea or are clueless how to go about getting involved in ministry. 40%. I believe this is the untapped gold mine of the church. Those are the ones that are ready to go. But, but it's kind of like your muscles. You, have, you heard the word atrophy? If you don't use a muscle for a long time, if it's in a cast, if that muscle's not moving, if that muscle's not working, there's a word called atrophy. It kind of shrinks up and shrivels, and you will eventually use, lose the use of that muscle group or that muscle or that bone or whatever it may be. And so it is with the gifts of God. The gifts that God has given you, if you don't use it, you will lose it. If you buried in the sand and say, I'm not using my ministry, I'm not going to get involved in ministry whatsoever, you hide that, you buried in the sand, the Bible says God will take that away and give it to the person who had five talents and multiply that to ten. Use it or lose it. So I want to share four truths this morning. If you have your bulletin, you can turn on the back. And uh, these are truths that I believe if we can get into our spirit will help awaken the sleeping giant today. The first is simply this. These are just four very basic concepts from the word of God that we need to get down. Number one, every believer is a minister. Got a couple amens. Every believer is a minister. Not just me, not just Tyler, not just Pastor Aaron, not just the paid staff, but in the body of Christ, one of the reasons the gospel multiplied so quickly and so effectively is every new believer saw themselves as a minister. Wow. Last week, I used that analogy of an army, and I, and I talked a little bit about the army, and remember I used that slogan, if you were here last week, no soldier left behind, and we talked about how important it is in community. We grow together and we train together so that we may launch out and do works of ministry or works of service, so I talked about the analogy of God's army, and like the church, we are the army of God, but in God's army, you don't volunteer, you don't sign up. You're drafted. And the moment you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment you are engaged into his service, it's not optional. God has called all believers to minister to the world and to the church. To be a Christian, and the, and the, and the word Christian means Christ-like or a little Christ. To be a Christian means to be like Jesus, Right? Now, what is Jesus like? Look at Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So what is Jesus Christ doing? He is serving and he is giving. What's the body of Christ called to do? If we're going to be like Jesus Christ, we serve and we give. These are the defining characteristics of the Christian life. You, you, when, you, when you read the New Testament, the people flocked around Jesus. 
They couldn't get enough of him. They, they, they followed him. The crowds grew. He taught the masses. Uh, and, and there was always a great multitude wherever he went. And one of the reasons that multitude was so great is because Jesus met their felt needs. For example, he healed the sick. So Jesus met their physical needs. He met their emotional needs. He met their spiritual needs. They were lost without him. He brought the kingdom of God. Some were demon-possessed, emotionally disturbed and messed up by devils. He cast out the devils. Uh, he met their relational needs. He drew them into community. He met their financial needs. He, he met the needs of those who were around him. And when he came and encountered those needs, he didn't say, your need is legitimate and your need is not. He didn't discriminate. He just simply met all the needs of those who were around him. And if there was someone who got themselves in a mess, he didn't make them feel guilty for their lifestyle and what they had done in the past. He forgave them. He met the need. He healed them. And then he said, go and sin no more. He treated everybody with dignity and respect. Jason Jesus would often meet felt needs in order to establish a beachhead for evangelism to reach that person. When he sent his disciples out, he tells them to do the same things I've done. So he sends them out in Matthew 10, 8, it says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. How many have freely received of God's grace here today? The same word goes to us. Freely you've received. I've been good to you. I've saved you. I've changed you. Now freely give. Take it out. He served and he gave. Notice the total emphasis on meeting felt needs and hurts. Now, here's the point I'm working down to, and we're going to get this very practical in just a few moments. If we're going to be serious about reaching the unchurched, we've got to meet them where their hurt is. We've got to meet them where their needs are. And in order to do that, we've got to be willing to put up with people who have a lot of problems. And when you deal as a church with people who have problems, it gets messy. It's going to mess us up. Homeless, smelly, prostitutes, broken, kids out of control. All that kind of stuff's going to be going on because we're reaching out and we're meeting them where their needs are so that Christ may change them. But it gets messy. Fishing is messy and smelly. I don't like to fish because I don't like to clean fish. I don't like to hold fish. They're slimy. They, they flop around. I can't control them. They, I, get, I get gills in my finger. I, I just don't do fish. We don't catch fish already scaled, gutted, cleaned, and cooked. We simply go out and catch them, and the Holy Spirit does the rest. Now, I want you to turn to James 2. And I hope you have your steel-toed shoes on this morning because we're going to step on some feet today. Because James is hard. I mean, you can't read James without going, oh, man, he's killing me. James puts it, he just says it so direct, so straight, tells it just what Christian work should look like. So look at James 2, 15 and 16. Let's just pick these two verses to start with today. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If you if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical need, what good is it? 
In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. So he says as Christians, as believers, meeting human needs, basic needs, food and clothing is what we do. And he says when you do that, you are a doer of the word, not just someone who talks a good game. Now here's the exciting news. Last month, I said, run the figures for me. They ran the figures. Last month, between our food bank in Monk's Corner and we have a food bank on Remount Road, we fed over 500 families. Isn't that awesome? That's what you guys have done. That's what the church has done. And so they're meeting the needs of the poor and they're doing what the Bible tells us to do, feed those who are hungry. We had services at the DJJ or Department of Juvenile Justice. We conducted services at Lieber, right next to there, uh, spreading the gospel every Thursday night. And there's also a team now going up to Columbia, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ in our Division of Juvenile Justice. That's awesome. Kids 13 to 19 were coming in, sharing the gospel, giving them hope, preaching the word of God, and lives are being transformed. At our pregnancy center, they counseled ladies who were, who were uh, pregnant, many of them unwed teenagers and in trouble, and we shared the gospel of Jesus Christ, and babies were being saved from, from abortion. In the coming months, we are opening up in, in Somerville, and I was part of a task force that helped to get this about, a homeless shelter. It's called the Home of Hope. It was supposed to open in July. There's been some delays along the way, but Art said to them, you can count on our church. We're going to partner with you. We'll take a week, a quarter. Our guys will go in there, and we'll cook suppers for them, and we'll sit around and hang with them, and we'll share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, listen, I, I said that by faith. No one said, I'm ready to do this because you don't even know about it yet. But I believe this is something the church ought to be doing, is taking care of the homeless, of feeding the homeless, and reaching out to the poor, and reaching out to the needy. Turn to, look at James 1.27. He gets, he's getting right. Listen, listen to what he says. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this. Now he's going to tell you what real religion is. You thought it was coming to church to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Pure religion is this. Notice James probably picks on the very weakest of society. Widows, who at that time had no one to care for them, especially if they didn't have children and their husband died. They were alone. They could starve to death in that culture in that day and age. He takes widows, and then he takes orphans. Orphans. Now, now let me just tell you a few things we're doing in the area of widows' ministry. We have, right now, as I'm preaching the word of God, we have people who are in two different nursing homes this morning preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're wheeling out, they bring them in wheelchairs to the big room and they wheel out the widows there and someone preaches the gospel and then they go around the rooms and those who can't make it to the center, we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have people doing that right now, always can use more workers. Let me tell you what we're doing for our widows. Uh, Jeff Wickey and a team, they change the oil and they fix flat tires and they fix brakes and they, they're not gonna give you an engine 
overhaul, but, but once a month, they're back there, and our widows come in who are poor, who have no one to fix their cars up, and we do those basic services to their cars. Those are just a few of the ways we're taking care of our widows. Let me tell you an area we have been probably a little negligent in, and that's orphan care. Is Michelle here today? Where's Michelle? She's, she, she will be coming, but she's standing for both services. She'll be in the back after, uh, after this service this morning. Orphan care. The newest area of ministry is foster care ministry. Uh, these are kids. There are kids now in the Tri-County area. They have been either physically, physically abused. They have been sexually abused. They may be in homes where mom's a crack addict, dad's a crack addict, and DSS, Department of Social Services, comes in and takes those kids out. When they take those kids out of those dangerous environments because they are the most helpless and needy of society, then they begin to look for foster homes, foster care. And people who have a a lot of love in their heart, they say, I can take a foster child into my home. I can help watch this child for a period of time, either till the parents straighten up or they're reunited or, or something else happens. But they take them out of their homes and they open up their homes and they share the love of Jesus Christ. And so we want to let you know we're linking up with a Christian organization called Lifeline and, and they'll have training here at the church. And if you're interested in being involved in the foster process, uh, you can sign up in the way, out the door, that back counter on the left-hand side as you leave the door today. Or you say, my home, I can't do that right now, but maybe you can be a respite care person and you can give a foster care parent a break and keep them for a weekend so they can do something. You can commit to three, four, six months, but you can step in and help somebody else out. Or we can even go in and minister to DSS and, and, and share the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of ways that we as a church body can get in foster care. I tell you one of the reasons I'm a little bit gripped with this now. And, and many churches are heavily involved in this. We haven't been up till now. We're going to be. But with the redefinition of what a family likes looks like, right now there are 177 families in the low country that are needed immediately to take care of the 470-some-plus people, uh, foster care children in the low country. 400, 177 shortfall families needed. What is going to happen with the redefinition of the family is any kind of family will, will apply to DSS and they will be taking those children to their home. What I want to see happen is Christian families who can make a difference, who have a nuclear family, mom and dad, loving Jesus, loving God, and they bring them in and share an environment of love. It makes all the difference in the world. And so it's, it's just a burden of my heart right now. True religion widows and orphans. Are we going to be involved in true religion or not as a church? Not everybody can do this. Everybody has a different gift. Everybody has a different talent. We'll get to that in a minute. But if God lays it on your heart, open up your heart. Uh, exciting news. Right now we have, are involved in four different high schools actively, our youth department, our youth ministry. We have uh, campus fellowships at Fort Dorchester, Cane Bay, Goose Creek, and Stahl High School. We feed those high school football teams every single Friday. They're either going down to our north campus or they're eating back there. And you ought to see those 40, 50 football players come in there big, huge guys, and we're feeding all, we're just feeding tons of kids, and it grew. It started out with one school, started out with Cane Bay, now Goose Creek's coming in. We had 44 visitors come to our youth service on Wednesday night because of our high school outreach ministry. Youth are getting the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what real Christianity looks like, and so first of all, I want you to understand every person is a minister. The second 
thing that you've got to get down. I've got to hurry. Every ministry is important. Every ministry is important. There are no little people in the body of Christ. There's no insignificant ministries. They're all important. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse number 18. Got it. But if in fact God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The, hand, the, hand, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Those parts that seem to be weaker are indispensable. In other words, some ministries are less visible. Some ministries are behind the scenes, uh, but they're all equally valuable in the kingdom of God. And it's the small ministries, sometimes the ones you don't see, that often make the greatest difference. Uh, take my house in point. We've got a, a, a formal living room. And in that living room, we've got a little fancy chandelier hanging up there. Okay? Now, I want to tell you, that light in the living room is not near as important as the little night light that's in the bathroom uh, when i got to get up in the middle of the night about four or five times and i got to go to the bathroom because without that little bitty light, uh, I would stub my toe and be jumping all over that house yelling and screaming in the middle of the night. Uh, and so even though it's a little light, uh, it's not near as big, uh, near as prestigious as that chandelier, but I want to tell you, I'd take that little light any day. It's saving my foot a lot of pain and a lot of anguish. Romans 12, 6 puts it this way. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. Now, you'll see throughout Corinthians, throughout Romans, throughout different places, gifts or spiritual gifts. Let me define spiritual gifts for you this morning. Spiritual gifts are simply this, the supernatural capacity to develop a particular ability for kingdom service. Let me say it again a supernatural capacity to develop particular ability for kingdom service. So there are such things as what the Bible refers to as speaking gifts. In other words, uh, uh, teaching would be a speaking gift. And so we need teachers in, in men's ministry, in ladies' ministry, in, in, in group leaders, in opening up your home and having a group or teaching a group of people. We need teachers of the gospel at BJJ or, or our nursing home ministry. Then there are those who have people gifts. People gifts are like counseling, encouragement, evangelism, hospitality, leadership, mercy. Those are all strong people gifts. And so we have Stephen's ministry, which is a ministry of encouragement and counsel and comfort. Uh, we have evangelist gifts. We're looking for new convert care to step up. We have hospitality gifts. If you have a gift of hospitality, you feel uncomfortable teaching, that's not your gift. But you say, what? I can open up a bag of chips and open up my home. You can start a group in your house. We'll help provide you a leader. There are different gifts. We bring that together. It's powerful. There are also service gifts, administration gifts giving helps. There's support gifts, the gift of faith, the gift of wisdom. These are support gifts. No one has all the gifts, but God has gifted everyone with some gift. I believe everybody in this church has at least one gift. And I say that based on God's word. Every ministry is important. 
Now, let me, let me share a story of a, a lady in the New Testament. She's in Acts chapter 9. She had a gift, and uh, her gift was sewing. And her name was Dorcas. And Dorcas is just sewing garments together, knitting garments, putting clothes together, and she's giving them out to those who are cold, those who need garments, those who are poor. She is literally clothing those in her community, those in her area. And when she gave that out and she said, here's some clothes, I I give you these in the name of Jesus, uh, all of a sudden people are saying, man, your God is awesome. Uh, No one who worshiped idols ever did this for me before. Uh, They only thought of themselves. An idol could do nothing, but you do this all in the name of your God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the people are being saved. Well, something happens along the way. Dorcas gets sick and she dies. And when you look at that funeral service, there are people who are coming from all over the area because Dorcas ministered to their felt need. She was so loved. So many people came to Christ because of her ministry. But you know what God says? He says, Dorcas, I'm not done with you yet. He sends Peter in there. Peter raises her up from the dead and puts her right back into service. Now, that is a cool story, but I want to, here's the point I want to bring out. When you serve, not only do you benefit those you serve, but you yourself gets the greatest benefit. She's raised back to life. Listen, if you are dead on the inside, if you are lonely, if you are frustrated, if you've been grieving, if you are hurting in some way, you're going through your own crises, you're depressed, the best way to be resurrected on the inside is to serve. You start serving others, you start giving away love, God pours it back on top of you. You can't can't do enough. It's exciting life. So the servers, it's the most joyful, fulfilled life you can find is by being engaged in some form of meaningful service. It comes back on you. Case in port is Dorcas. Steve Sorgan makes this statement. He wrote a book called The Conspiracy of Kindness. He says, God is looking for people who are willing to participate in acts of love and kindness to those outside their present circle. He's looking for people who believe that a humble demonstration of love plants a seed of eternity in their hearts of others and that will blossom into faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. An act of kindness plants a seed of eternity in the heart of someone else. Number three, the third lesson about service is we are dependent upon each other. We don't serve alone. We serve together. This is what you see in the early church. We always serve together. There's a phrase that I ran across, it's called deficient by design. When God made you, he made you deficient by design. He designed you deficiently. What do you say, what are you saying, what do you mean by that? It's not a criticism, it's not an insult, but it's an honest submission that God didn't give one person all the gifts. He didn't pile it on any one individual. You got a few gifts, you got one for sure, may have three, four, five, three or four gifts, uh, but, but he's given you a few unique choice gifts, but he didn't give you all the gifts. The only one who ever operated in all the gifts was Jesus Christ. He was, in him, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily, so he had everything needed. It was all in one package, but we're not. We are deficient by design. He didn't put all his eggs into one basket. If I had all the gifts necessary to function in the body of Christ, I wouldn't need anybody else. 
So he designed, designed us when we were saved to be deficient in some areas because it would melt us together at our point of need. And you have gifts that I don't have and I have gifts that you don't have, but together we are more effective in the family of God. And so we need to serve God together more effectively. No ministry can accomplish all the church is called to do. So we got to depend and cooperate with each other. We're kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. And have you ever seen a jigsaw puzzle? And it always happens. You've had this puzzle on the shelf forever, and you get it out, and at Thanksgiving all the family comes together, and you're going to put the card table up, and you're going to put, do, the, do the puzzle. You, it's a bummer when you lose one piece of that puzzle, ruins the whole thing, because the first thing you look at when you see that puzzle is that missing piece. Isn't that where your eyes go to? And so it is in the family of God. When you're that missing piece of the puzzle, the body can't function properly. There's a malfunction. There's a weakness. There's a deficiency in the body. And so everybody is important. Everybody's needed. And we come together. We live in a culture preoccupied by individualism, independence, but it's got to be replaced by partnership and teamwork. Why? Because it's all about building up the kingdom of God. It's not about my name. It's not about me, myself, and I. It's about building up the kingdom, and we will do kingdom work better together. Number four, ministry is an expression of our unique gifts. Stay in 1 Corinthians 12. Look back at verse number four. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for a common good. George Barnett, in this survey he did, made this statement, and I want you to listen to this. People don't get involved because it's the right thing to do. More often, people get involved because they believe they can make a positive difference by utilizing their unique gifts and talents. You see, when you begin to understand you're gifted by God and what your spiritual gift is, that gifting will cause you to want to be involved in ministry. Each of us is uniquely designed by God to do certain things. If your gifts don't match your role that you play in life and ministry, you'll be frustrated. Don't take me and put me in children's ministry. I'm too old for that. Way past my prime, it would drive me nuts. And so we guilt people into saying, you've got to work with kids. We need kids right now. I know you're 105, but you can do it. (laughs) And before you know it, they're pulling their hair out. And if they feel like they failed, they may even eventually leave the church. So if you're in the wrong place in your giftings, it's like trying to take a square peg and put it in a round hole. It doesn't work. And so we need to find out where your giftings lie, where you want to serve best, where your interests take you. But when you get in that function, when you find that sweet spot, I like that word, sweet spot in the body of Christ, that that sweet spot of your ministry that you find fulfillment in, that you're the most effective in, when you find that sweet spot, and we all are finding our sweet spots, then the body of Christ grows in the kingdom of God advances. 
And we'll be like Acts. And God added their number daily, those who were being saved. Why? Because we're touching the orphans and we're touching the widows and we're feeding the poor and we're housing the homeless and we're loving on people and we're reaching out to where they're at and we're going into the high schools and we're, and we're ministering to our children and our youth and we're, we're doing all that goes on to make up a church. And if everybody finds their place in the body instead of the 10% doing it all, 50% are engaged in ministry and, and God's doing it. God's doing it. This is what our church is to do. This is pure religion, my friends. Turn to Psalm 139. You've been designed with a very unique place and purpose and function. Look at what the psalmist said. He said, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret place, I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me. Look at that. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. God has uniquely designed you and created you and formed you for your unique purpose and function in the family of God. There's a movie, it's an old one, it'll date me. Most, most of the younger guys, you ain't heard of it, but, but you guys that are my age, you remember this movie well called Chariots of Fire. Anybody ever see that movie? A few of you out here, okay. Chariots of Fire, it's a movie about Eric Lytle. He was an Olympic runner, and in the 1930s he came from Scotland. And in the film, Jenny is Lytle's sister, and she questions him about going to run in the Olympics. At that time, it probably wasn't very lucrative, and you take all this time to train, and you go run in the Olympics. It's not like today, you win, you get endorsements, you're rich the rest of your life. It was kind of like something they did to prove their athletic prowess. And he says, why don't you pursue a career? Why don't you do something that will make some money? And in reply, he turns to his sister and makes this statement, and it's found as a quote in the movie. Jenny, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Isn't that an awesome statement? God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. God has made us all a certain, unique way, and when we flow in the area of our giftings and our talents and our resources and our capability, we feel his pleasure. And it all comes back on us. Uh, we feel God's pleasure and we receive pleasure as well. And so what I'm saying this morning, church, listen to me. It's time to awaken the sleeping giant and serve God and one another, and we will do it best together. Amen? Give the Lord praise right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. In your bulletins, take this out right now. I want you to all take it out right now. Everybody take one of these out. This is a volunteer application. I will tell you we use this when, we, when people go through, by the way, Life Point 1 is today and Life Point 2 as well. And I meet with all the brand new guests and we share a little bit of our values. Life Point 2 is all about finding your place in ministry. But I, I, I asked our ministry coordinator, I said, give me one of these. 
put them in every bulletin because I believe there are people out in our congregation who need to be re-engaged. Maybe before you might be a member, been a member for years, and maybe before you were involved in ministry, but now you're just said, oh, I've done my time, I've served my time, I'm just sitting back, I'm gonna lay out the rest of my years in retirement. And so uh, we wanna re-engage you because you got unique gifts and talents that can be used in the body of Christ. And if you don't use your gift, you'll lose it. And there's all kinds of people coming here. You're not involved in ministry anywhere in the church. Here's your chance. Here's the good news at the end of the message. Take it out. Open it up. You see uh, in the first column all those things that go in to make this service happen. And we need people involved in all kinds of ministries in that area. Kidmatic. Uh, it's, we need children's workers. And if you love kids and want to work with kids, you're put on a rotation. You don't do it every week. But we have a new children's pastor I introduced last week to you, Jonathan Siebert. And Jonathan Siebert is looking for a whole crew of new workers. Why? Because we're also sending about 30 workers over to Goose Creek. And so I got to fill every one of those gaps that are being left by those who feel a call to go to that campus. Uh, Equip classes, embrace groups. Uh, You see those down there. Uh, You have all kinds of different groups to be involved in. Next week, we're going to talk more about launching our new groups. You'll find out where there are, what's going on. If you want to open up your home, check the box there. If you want to lead a group, check that box, whatever it takes. And then some evangelism outreach and some things at the bottom. Even on this form, if you're interested in foster care or something of that nature, turn to the back. There's a column of interest. If there's not a ministry on here you want to be involved in or you feel God speaking to your heart, write that down. Give us your phone number. Uh, every ministry, all it needs is a good leader for that ministry to take off and go and thrive. And so there's so many other ministries we can be involved in we haven't even touched the surface. But we've got a great army at this church. We're about close to 3,000 strong now between all of our campuses and we get involved. We can make a difference in Somerville. We can make a difference in Goose Creek. We can make a difference in all these areas. And so if there's something that you want to be involved in, not listed on the form, just go ahead and put that on the back. So you're looking at me. Take your pins out right now. You're still looking at me. Get a pin. There's pins in front of you. They're on the back of the pews. Get a pin. You got these here. I want you to look at it. No one can write looking at me. Go ahead, look down right now. Take a moment. Yes, you don't have them in your bulletin? Uh, You didn't get, okay, ushers, if there's any more back there. Were they in the bulletins today? They should be inside the bulletin. If they're not, raise your hand, see if our ushers can help you with some more of these. Or if if for some reason we don't get to you, oh, there's some going right now. Thank you, guys. Help right over here. Someone had their hand up. Someone in the back. Uh, Take a moment and fill this out. And uh, you say, Pastor, that's not very, this is not very spiritual, filling out forms. I want to tell you, this is what true religion is. This is what James said. This is true religion, meeting needs of the community around us, however we do this, however that looks like. This is what true religion is all about. So take a moment, fill it out. Put your name and your information there so your ministry coordinator can get in touch with you. They'll be calling you within the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, they'll have a lot of names to process, but they will get to you eventually. So Put your name and contact information on the back so someone can call you up and contact you. Now, Michelle, she should be slipping in somewhere. Uh, She's going to be at the back counter. She told me she'd be there after both services. If you really want to know about foster care, just poke your head in over there. Give her your name and all that. You're not making a commitment for the rest of your life. You're just saying, hey, I'm interested. I want to be involved on some level. I want to help in any way I can. Just meet her. She'll she'll connect with you. She'll hook up with you. If you want to open your home to foster care, there's about a 13-week training class 
class. They will take you through on just how to do every part of that ministry. So, uh, yes. Yes, there will be ushers. They're already going to be stationed at the doors. And they, I told David, so he should have a crew ready. And they're stationed at the door. All right, let's stand together. You guys are incredible. I love this church. Love you guys. I love what God's doing here. I am so excited. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.